Right then, we're going to come round God's Word together. And uh, this morning we have come to the end of our little look into this amazing Psalm, Psalm 91. We spent the last uh, four weeks studying this uh, this psalm. And I suppose that uh, it's time to come to the end now. We've, this is our fifth week. And I'm going to read just the last three verses. Verses 14 to 16. And... Uh, This is what it says. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he has known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now the reason, of course, why we are dealing with this psalm is because it seems to have brought an awful lot of comfort and encouragement to many people during these last seven weeks or so. You know, and um, I've heard it quoted more this last seven weeks than, than ever before. And as I told you at the very beginning, Pauline has taken to reading it to, uh, to me in the conservatory, well, not every uh, morning, but uh, on quite a number of occasions. So it's, it's something that has touched the Christian community uh, during this time. You know, and I hope that as we've looked at it and, and studied it in some detail, that you and I have derived uh, great sustenance from it. You know, as we come to these last three verses, things seem to be hotting up a little. See, things seem to be getting into almost fever pitch. You know, we started off, if you remember, way back then, with Moses set in the scene. You know, as all good preachers and teachers do, he sets the scene with a proposition. It was his statement of faith. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's a truth that if accepted and if lived out will be the comfort and the courage that you and I need in all aspects of life. You know, as we've taken this psalm, the context of this psalm to be the time when Moses was um, sort of dispatching the children of Israel into the promised land without him, then the comfort and the courage that is um, derived from this statement of faith, from living out this statement of faith, was um, for these Israelites the ability, the, the drive that they needed to take them out of the wilderness and into the promised land with the Lord at the helm and without Moses. It was going to be a different experience that they were going through because Moses had been the ever-present for 40 years. But now he was leaving and they were left with their trust in the Lord. You know, then we saw, secondly, that Moses added his own personal note to this statement of faith, as in verse 2 he says, I will say, I will say, this is the truth, but I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. You know, this is what the Lord has done for me, and this is what He has been to me. 
You know, and that's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful weapon that we as Christians have. We have a personal testimony. You know, and no one can take our personal testimony away from us. This is what the Lord has done for me. This is what He has been to me. You know, and Moses could say that He has fulfilled, more than fulfilled, all of the promises that He made to him at the burning bush. He has carried out all of his obligations to the very letter. You know, and when uh, Moses talks of what God will be to them as they imitate Moses and put their trust in the Jehovah Most High that he did. You know, and that's it, uh, uh, where we eventually finished uh, last week. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. No evil, he says, shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near you. Now that's where we've come to. You know, and that's all right as far as it goes. You know, I'm, I'm quite excited about what we've already dealt with. We've listened to Moses' testimony. We've listened to what God is capable of, capable of doing and what he, Moses said, this is what he did for me. And I suppose that most of us would be satisfied if the psalm actually ended there. We would be able to go forward with great confidence, with the understanding that God is with us and he's able to do that. It would be enough. It would be quite sufficient for us to progress. But, in the words of the Queen of Sheba, the half was never told me. There is so much more in this psalm to get excited about. And it's these last three verses. You can remember the story of the woman that Jesus met in Samaria, the woman at the well in John chapter 4. You wonder, having become convinced of the ident true identity of Jesus, having come to the, the settled conviction that the person standing before her by the well was none other than the Messiah, was none other than the Son of God. And notice what she does. She leaves a water pot and she endeavours, just like Moses in this psalm, she endeavours to spread the news to others in the village. You know, these people that she was hiding from, she went along to and began to speak of the person that she had met by the well. This is what it says. The woman left her water pot, went away into the city and said to the men, Come and see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him because of the word of the woman who testified. All that I ever did, he told me. Her testimony was enough for some of the Samaritans. You know, and Moses' testimony is enough for each and every one of us. You know, we could go forward on Moses' testimony. But as you read that story in, in John chapter 4, there's more. Because in the next few verses, it says, And many more believed because of Christ's own words. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Saviour of the world. You know what I want to show you? 
as we go back to our psalm this morning, a very important shift has occurred in the psalm. Because from now on, these last three verses, Moses has actually become silent. He has stopped talking, and someone else is taking up the strain. You know, and just like in the town of Samaria, these next words come from the lips of God himself. You see, gone, gone is the second person. He will deliver you, says Moses. He will give you his angels charge of you. He will do this. He will do that. But now, in these last verses, we have the first person. Because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high. Because he has known my name, he shall call upon me. And I will answer. And I will be with him in trouble. And I will deliver him and honour him with long life. And I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Do you know this is God himself who is actually speaking to us now. Moses has done a really good job. You and I hope that I've done a really good job. But wouldn't it be great if God broke in and spoke himself? And that's exactly what's happening. And what's more, he's confirming everything that Moses has said. You see, nothing that we've looked at so far has been empty rhetoric. Nothing has been over-exaggerated experience or vain promises. This is not Moses dredging something up from some obscure circumstance that happened to him years ago. It's all been true. Everything that he has told us about God is true. Because you, God confirms everything that Moses has told us. And I've got to be honest with you, I find that absolutely incredible. That the preacher can say things, sit down, and God get up and say, what my servant have said is true. I will deliver you. I will look after you. I will honour you. It's all been true. Now the blessings that God spells out to, the, to his people are almost carbon copies of what we've talked about over the last four Sunday mornings. You know, blessings that must be ours if we live, if we are to live as God intends. You know, as Christians, we are in a, an, an anti-Christian world. We are in a world that militates against, uh, against Christianity. You know, we know, don't we, that uh, in certain parts of the world, lots of things have been opened, but Christian churches have been kept shut. And I wonder sometimes whether there's a little agenda going on about that. You know, and we are up against an enemy of our souls. We are up against our own temptations, of course. There are so many things that militate against us in our Christian life. You know, and therefore we need everything that God has to give us. And these blessings that we are looking at in, this, in these last few verses, and indeed the whole of the psalm, they must be ours, they've got to be ours in experience and knowledge if we are to live as God intends us to live. Because they are blessings that meet our every need at the very deepest of levels. You know, as parents, um, if I can remember that far back, I'm still a parent, but I haven't got anyone to, to nurse. 
But as parents, we sometimes pop in the old dummy. You know, if we want some peace and quiet, if my memory serves me right, if we wanted some peace and quiet, we'd pop in the old dummy. You know, and the, the baby, the child, will be pacified for a moment. Pacified, but never satisfied. Pacified, but never satisfied. You know, and before long, even with the dummy, the inevitable nappy change, the ina- inevitable bottle feed, or just a plain kutch, has to be administered before the child is actually satisfied. You know, and these blessings that we're looking at in this psalm are never designed to pacify us. They are never designed to anaesthetize us, us against the troubles that surround us. I know some people perhaps use the scriptures like that to pacify ourselves about the things that are taking place. You know, and it seems to be happening many modern expressions of the church. You know, we have this constant, continual round of seeking the next high, looking for the next fix, scouring the globe for the next ecstatic experience that would pacify us. Almost like drug addicts looking to be pacified, but it seems never satisfied. You know, Mick Jagger, of course, of old... He couldn't find any satisfaction. And of course, Bona, Bono of more recent times still haven't found what he's looking for. When all the time, all the time, God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ. In fact, all that we need to satisfy our deepest longings security from the enemy ascendancy over the enemy someone that there to hear our hearts cry as we go through troubled times someone who will complete those things that concern us someone who will take away the uncertainty of our experience someone there who will bring satisfaction through this life and into the next life that's what we need and he's there We aren't going to go looking for him in another country. We aren't going to look for an ecstatic experience to know that he's there. We aren't going to be pacified about this and that. We can be satisfied with the presence of God because he has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But notice too that God, just like Moses, outlines the conditions set on these blessings. Now the word is the, uh, the sort of the crux of our, uh, of our time together this morning. There are conditions. Conditions. Now I don't usually talk about conditions when it's Christianity, when it's uh, the Christian faith, because I believe it's all of grace. You know, but we're not talking about salvation here. We are talking about living the Christian life. You know, and just like last week, we saw the condition. And the word, the condition is brought to us by these words, because. Because, that's what we looked at last week. Verse 9, I said, because you have made the Lord, uh, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. In other words, because you have done this, these blessings will appertain to you. You will feel the presence of God. You know, and as I just said, this has nothing to do with our salvation. You know, there's no conditions in our salvation. We are saved by grace alone. 
That is the only condition that God has reached out in grace towards us. So I'm not talking about our salvation. I'm talking about the Christian living in a material world. This is the Christian walk in a world which is anti-Christian. You know, because even as Christians, we can miss out on all of what we've dealt with if we don't adhere to the conditions. And I would ask you this morning, are you living the victorious Christian life that is being described you, or are you being continually defeated in your walk with God? I would ask you, are you moving on with God in a way that is that Moses is defining you, or are you just scraping through? You know, and it depends entirely upon the acquisition of these blessings that we have we have you during these last uh, during these last three verses. And you are the conditions because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him, I will set him on high, because he has known my name. Now there's the becauses, there's the conditions. If we are to enjoy the blessings of this psalm, you are the conditions for the, the blessings. Do you know there's, there's nothing worse than unclaimed blessings. You know, all over the country there are lost property offices jam-packed full of unclaimed possessions. Every day there are solicitors trying desperately to contact people so that they can receive their rightful inheritance, which if they can't contact them will remain unclaimed. There are untold millions of pounds of unclaimed lottery prizes just sitting there to be enjoyed by those unfortunate winners just waiting for the production of the winning ticket. And so many billions of pounds are returned to the treasury in unclaimed benefits every year. You and there's nothing worse than unclaimed benefits. Listen to the prodigal son as he contemplates returning to his father's house. How many, he says, of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. Oh, Christian, this morning, is that you? Are you bereft of the blessings of God, that you are finding it difficult to cope with your circumstances? Are you enjoying the milk or are you sucking on a dummy? That's the question I'd like you to ask yourself this morning. You know, let me ask, are there two becauses in your life? Are there two becauses in your life? Is your relationship with God enjoying two becauses? Verse 14, because he has set his love upon me. Love. Oh yes, we can say, oh Jesus, I love you. Oh yes, I love you. And, and you know, it's also um, emotional and, um, and oh, oh, I love you. But you know, love involves something more than just feelings and warmth and sentiments. Love involves separation. Separation 
from all the other idols that you may gather in your life? Have you separated yourself from the things of the world and separated yourself unto the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he all in all? You know, as Moses uh, told us in the wilderness, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me, no graven idols at all. You know, and we make idols out of so many things, and yet love involves separating ourselves. You know, as Abraham was uh, told by God to, to leave his country, leave his home, and go with God, he was separated from the things that he trusted in. The things that he enjoyed, the things that he looked to, and he threw his lot in with God alone. There's separation in love. Of course, there's commitment in love, commitment to Christ alone. Him only shall you serve. You know, and are we serving Christ alone? You know, um, Jesus himself says, you know, no one can serve two masters. You either serve this one or that one. You know, and if you are trying to juggle uh, um, in, in, your, in your life, in who you are serving, am I serving this one, am I serving that one, then that's not love. Love is a commitment to Jesus Christ, a commitment to, uh, to obey his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So love is separation, love is commitment, love is a trust. You know, there's love, there's trust in love, to trust in Christ alone, who is alone able to keep you from falling. There's no, nothing else we can trust in. You know what the song says? I dare not trust in any other frame, any other thing. It's only Christ. All around, it says, is sinking sand. So there's trust in love. Of course, there's sacrifice in love. You know, have we sacrificed our all? To Christ, because He is sacrificed is all to us. You know, I read some um, Isaiah fifty-three this morning, and you know, if that isn't a, a Christ sacrificing everything, then, then then it says nothing to me. But have I sacrificed everything for Him? And of course, there's passion, passion for the company of Christ, in whose presence there is fullness of joy. Are we? Are we got a passion to spend time with Christ, spend time in His Word, spend time in His presence? Have you set your love on Christ? But such love seeks knowledge. Because, this is my second because, because He has known my name. Knowledge comes from the Scriptures. The Scriptures. This is where we find his character. This is where we understand his desires. This is where we become aware of his delights. This is where we learn about his disgusts. This is where we understand his purpose. This is where we understand his plans. You know, God has laid himself bare in his word. And we find him in his word. So therefore, it follows that we should spend time in his word finding out all about this person that we love the most. Of course we find him in our experience. This is where we get to know him as we test his character through the things that we go through. Is he up to the promises? Moses was, could say, yes, he's up to the promises. I've tested him for 40 whole years. And this is where we test him in our lives. You know, there's a little, lovely little verse in Malachi where it says, 
Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now, test me now, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessings that there will not be room enough to, uh, to receive it. You know, we find out as we live as Christians in an anti-Christian world that God is up to his promises. He has the clout to carry them through. We learn and understand and know more of God through our experience, of course. So is the word and is our experience. And of course, we find more about God in our fellowship with him and with one another. That's why uh, perhaps, you know, when I see the lesson, the messages that go up at the side of the screen here, where people are commentating on the word of God, you know, and other people are reading it, you know, and that's what it's all about. You know, the, in fellowship, we, we bounce our knowledge off each other. You know, we testify to each other about what God has done for us. This is what God has done for me, says one. And then another one will get up and say, this is what God has done for me. And because we see it in them and they see it in us, we encourage each other to trust Him more. We, we stimulate each other to worship Him and stand up for Christ and look out for each other. That's how we know about God. That's how our knowledge increases. Go forward, my children, says Moses. He didn't bring us out this far to take us back again. He brought us out to take us in to the promised land. Now, what we've seen over these last five Sundays from a psalm that has been quoted more than ever. You know, what have we seen? You know, and Moses has given us, first of all, a statement of faith to familiarize ourselves with. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We have the benefit of Moses' experience. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. We have the certainty of God's protection. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. We have the means by which these blessings come to us. Because you have made the Lord even the Most High, you were dwelling place. And now this morning, to complete the whole thing, we have the voice of God confirming everything that Moses has told us. And in the words of Jehovah God, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and forever and forever. Amen.